Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified on Voice America's Influencer Channel. This is Ken Roshans and Andre Adams-Miller. Andre is with the Red Carpet Connection, a publicist and a person that cares about influencers, leaders, authors, and speakers gaining the limelight they deserve on the red carpet. And we also are brought to you by Big Events USA and, of course, the Keep Smiling Movement. We have two phenomenal guests, so what else is new? But these guests, we met on a cruise on a mastermind called Mastermind at Sea, on the Winner's Circle, and the Winner's Circle is brought to you by Roger Salam, Wajid Roger Salam, and Wajid, for those of you who don't know what that means, that is peace. So he brings peace to our planet, and he attracts really amazing influencers, leaders, speakers to go on a cruise at Mastermind at Sea, and we had the the experience of meeting some 80 influencers and leaders that really care about a positive impact in the world and collaborating to create that impact to be even stronger with love and energy and um, smaller carbon footprint, all kinds of wonderful topics talked about. And we stopped in Haiti to make a difference for orphans. So there's really a lot of good that came out of this cruise. If you are interested in learning about future cruises, he has shared that there are 10 cruises coming up in the next five years. And the two guests you're going to hear today, we wouldn't have had this show if it wasn't for them being on the ship. So, very excited about this show. Andrea, are you there? How is your? I am. I don't uh, have to ask you. No, know, with us being world travelers, we have the craziest things happening. So, we're also on the line with Southwest, who's helping us reschedule our canceled flights again. So, well, Southwest <laughs> that's because is, yeah. we're heading off to something exciting. We're going to be going to the premiere of The Wishman for Frank Shakewitz, our friend and the person we admire. Uh, the um, in Hollywood, they're going to be releasing the Wishman movie at the Egyptian Theater, and Ken and I will be there covering that. So. Super exciting to be able to do that. So if you don't mind, Ken, I'll go ahead and introduce Jonathan. Well, before you do, I just want to say Southwest may be the company that has the biggest heart, and they prove it when there's problems like this that they are part of the solution. So, so many of the travel uh, solutions that we have on this planet, then when there's a problem, you kind of have to figure out the problem yourself. So I will give major accolades to Southwest when I needed to be home yesterday because of another canceled flight. They bent rules and made exceptions and I was able to be home with my son and wife and have a great family day. So I don't want to sound ungrateful. Southwest is still the premier travel choice for at least me and our influencer show. So go ahead, Andrea, let's bring Jonathan on. Awesome. And I just got the best news that uh, they put us on another flight. So we get to sleep in four hours and uh, and still make it on time. And they're going to take care of us. So I'm so glad that they are being a solution. So Jonathan England is somebody else who provides some awesome <laughs> solutions in the world. He's a best-selling author and the founder of Earth Waking University. His inspiring journey is from <laughs> blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum to success. 
successful real estate investor to founder of an entirely new educational system, which gives listeners a clear roadmap to navigate the journey into their own destiny. He is an embodiment of hope, faith, and love in the world, and he is known for his genuine leadership style and ability to help people awaken their life's purpose and build a business around it and do it very well while doing good in the world. And of course, we love anyone who amplifies goodness, Ken. So welcome to the show, Jonathan England. Hey, thank you. So Jonathan, uh, long John- time no see. Yeah, no, it's been, what, 12 hours or so? Uh, no, it's probably been 24 <laughs> hours now. Yeah, almost 24. So let's talk first about how important that Cruz is and Roger is, because we met in 2016 for the first time because of this exact uh, mastermind. Yeah, and then we hadn't really talked or anything, and then all of a sudden you messaged me a, few, a couple months ago and said, hey, John, I'm going to be in Austin. You knew that I was in Austin, and, and so we met. So it's just really cool meeting people um, on cruises, but it's just a mastermind effect. It's just so powerful, but when you can bring people like that together, you just never know what, where it's going to lead to. So I highly recommend anyone joining masterminds. In fact, you know, I've got my own mastermind because of that. So, well, and we're going to talk certainly about that. I, I guess just to give a little more love to Roger, um, who is Roger to you? Uh, so I met Roger. I was, um, my journey from broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, uh, beach bum to then I became a successful real estate investor. Well, in my town in Panama City, Florida, we didn't have a real estate investment club. Well, we had one, but it was like a landlord association, so it wasn't like a real estate club. Um, so right. I created my own, and I immediately right out of the gates had 65 real estate investors at it. But then I got an email from Roger's assistant at the time, and this was probably five years ago, uh, saying, number one trainer from Tony Robbins wants to come speak at your real estate investment club. And I was like, wow, like Tony Robbins is like my f- favorite so this is really amazing. So I got on the phone with Roger, and we talked for probably at least two hours just right out of the gates, and we just really, really connected. And he has been just uh, um, just an amazing person for me because he – so at this point when I would met him, I would, I'd just you know built myself up to where I was successful, but I hadn't been around other successful people yet. It wasn't like I, – I didn't realize there was this whole other world of, of people. So Roger brought me into that reality. He, cause he, so when he came and spoke at my real estate investment club, he said, uh, uh, hey, John, you should come down to my house this weekend. And this was, he lived in Tampa, and I was in Panama City, so it was only like a six-hour drive. And, I was, and he didn't even tell me what it was, really. He just said, I, 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 really, you know, I really feel drawn to you, John, and I want you to come, come down to my house this weekend. So I drive down there. Not knowing what I was going to, I show up and he's not even there. And they, but they just open the door and say, "Come on in." And I walk into his house, and then I go upstairs, and then I like I sit down, and then he uh, they they start to introduce people, and I'm sitting. There's a guy sitting right next to me on the right side of me. It was actually uh, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, and I'm <laughs> like, huh? And then all of a sudden, like he starts inter- like all these other people start getting introduced, and I'm like where am I? What is this? And it was actually a mastermind. That was the very first mastermind I'd ever been to. And so that was the beginning of me leveling up. I bet, I guess basically where, you know, I suddenly was around people. It wasn't just, it wasn't just me like this lone wolf out there doing all this stuff all on my own. Suddenly I was surrounded by other people 
because up until that point, it's a, I, I just didn't know other successful people. I didn't know, especially to that level. So he brought so me very to life the world. Changing. Yeah. Very life. And we've so, just been really close ever since. Well, there's a quote uh, by Charlie Tremendous Jones, the difference of where you are now and where you'll be five years from now are the people you meet and the books you read. So let's give a little shout out to this experience you just had at sea. Um, I know you've gone to several of these masterminds, but at this particular one, who is a person you met that you want to give a shout out to that you think will change your life? And then what was something you learned during the week of the, the three days of content that you said, I'm going to apply this or I didn't know that? Um, I would say who's the person. That's tough because there's so many incredible people on there. I don't know. You, you can get, you can say would... one or two. It doesn't matter. You can say one or two. Okay. Really I would say a really, so Mar- Marcello Thetford, um, he was just, uh, just a big, just open heart. This man was just amazing. Um, I don't really even know how to describe him. He'd probably be better at describing, uh, him than I would. Well, all he's I, just, all he's I know just a life force. He's a life force. I mean, that guy is just all hard. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a very powerful connection with him. And I just really feel like we're going to definitely be good friends for, for life. Um, and I'll be seeing him again soon at, uh, possibly, I think possibly this weekend, we've got this other mastermind coming up, but then also, uh, David Fagan on the cruise. I'm going to speak on his, at his event later on the, in this month and Marcello will be there speaking as well. So, Oh, cool! I'll be excited to reconnect, and then I think we're really—I don't know—I don't know where where that uh, relationship's leading, but I know it's going to be something very powerful. Cool, and then uh, something you learned this week that you had never known before, you're going to apply. Mm, something I learned. Uh, I don't know. It's like at this point in my life, it's like I rarely learn anything new. I uh, just revisit things. So I would probably say more of revisiting, and it's really I, th- I think that what I'm it's about stepping up even more collaborating because I've I'm, I've got this momentum building right now of where even though I had uh, like started hanging out with more people like more successful people I hadn't really stepped into the collaboration where we're actually working together it was more of just like oh cool just being around cool people like that, that was, it was just creating an energy inside of me, but actually now the collaboration and actually, you know, being, instead of just building on my own stages, I just about two, three months ago was the first time I actually spoke on someone else's stage. So that was like this momentum started building. So that's what I'm going to start doing more. And now I'm on the phone, you know, with this, you know, with your, your radio show, so it's that, mm-hmm. the collaboration more and more, instead of just building it all on my own and doing everything all on my own, to really start to collaborate more. Well, you have a very interesting story, so I do want to get to that. And I want to say that I'm looking forward to your Keep Smiling chapter because it really shares your journey and why you decided to do what you do with your life and then how you impact others, how you create abundance and solve problems. So let's digress and talk about your childhood and how you were influenced to become one of the best atheists on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I call it evangelist atheist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was my, go for I was, it. I was my, it was my job to convince people God wasn't real, and I was really good at it. Um, but it actually, uh, when you were talking about what you're doing uh, with Frank Shankowitz, well, I, he actually sent me and my family on a, a 
one of the vacations when I was a little kid because I had an older brother who had muscular dystrophy, and his mm-hmm. wish was to go to Disney World. So Frank and his foundation granted that wish. So I, I mean, I, I remember that like it was yesterday, going to That's Disney awesome. World, and I mean, I remember the whole thing. So that was a very powerful moment in my life. So Frank is definitely wish man is definitely, uh, you know, just you talking about that you're now working with him or going to, uh, what was it that you're doing? You're we're supporting the, the premiere. Yeah. We're supporting yeah. the premiere, uh, in Hollywood and it's, it did amazing job in Kansas. It got a tremendous amount of accolades. So it's getting good traction. It's being considered one of the best movies to come out. So how, how lucky am I to know the guy that's getting this attention? So I'm, I'm excited. And, and this is my way of su- showing the most support I can is to take a plane trip out and be at the premiere and photograph all the people that love him. I mean, that's the best gift I can give him. Yeah. Well, he definitely made a massive positive impact in my life. So my brother, he had, here's an older brother. He had a, uh, four years older than me and he had muscular dystrophy, which is a terminal disease. So they, they granted him a wish and it was our whole family just got to go to Disney world. Well, so at, well, I was 12 years old and my brother was 16. He passed away and holding his hand. I, you know, we knew it was happening that we knew that, like I, I knew that was the night that he was going to pass away. So I've been preparing for this moment my whole life pretty much. But, um, just when it happened, it was still, it doesn't matter how much you prepare, it still it creates an impact. And in that moment, I formed a belief that life was meaningless. So, because, like, how could there be any meaning to life if my brother was in a wheelchair most of his life and died at 16? It just, to me, it just didn't seem fair. And that's, that was how I began the journey of becoming the greatest atheist in the world. Because I was like, okay, life is meaningless. There, there can't be a God. No, no way that God would allow something to do like this to happen. So off I went on that journey. Well, that journey took me. So with a belief like life is meaningless, what kind of reality do you think that I would manifest? Well, it, it, you've already heard it <laughs> because if we said it, what, broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, speech bump. So that took me all the way to a moment where I was, you know, all I was doing was just trying to figure out to find some sort of happiness, like some sort of peace. Um, so that's why I was blackout drunk every night because it was just that was it felt like peace to me because that was just numb my mind for long enough. Well, then one night I had, I was blackout drunk and I rear ended a car at a stoplight. I came to once, once I rear ended a car, but then a, a police officer, I actually tried to like drive my car away and run, but a police officer caught me and I went to jail. And that was the moment that I finally got my wake up call. And I was sitting in jail saying, okay, John, this is insanity. Not, you're not just harming you now. Like you could have killed somebody. Luckily, the person wasn't harmed in the, the van that I had rear-ended, but it could have. It could have very well. So, I mean, that was grace right there that just saved me from hurting someone else. But that was like, okay, John, this is insanity. I'm sitting there like something's got to change. This isn't working. So, you know, it was like Groundhog Day. Every day I'd wake up, and it was the same day over and over and over. And I was like, just so I've got to do something different. Well, okay, I'm what am I doing? I'm trying to find happiness. This isn't working. So what might work? And I was like, well, what if it was, what if, what if, what if there is a reason for life? And maybe it's just to make other people happy. So maybe I should just figure out how to make my family happy. And then that would give me some sort of purpose. 
and then that purpose would create some happiness inside of me. I'm like, okay, that sounds good, John. So how would I do that? Well, the world says I just uh, if I could make a lot of money and none of us, I could just make sure no, none of my family had to work and we could just go on vacations all the time, that would do it. So that was the beginning of, um, of my next phase in my life. So I'm actually going to be walking you through. I always teach on what I call the five levels of consciousness, and it's really just my journey over those those years of going from the broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum to successful real estate investor to everything from then on. So if you're you're listening as of my story, I've already told you how I entered into level one, which is called disoriented, where you've got no orientation, no direction in life. You're just out there like a pinball getting bounced around thinking, you know, I'm doing a, I'm doing the best I, ha- I can, but, you know, with this card hand of cards I got, but it was just, I've just been dealt a crappy hand. And it's like this just victim mentality. And that, so that was, that was where I was all the way up until I had rear-ended the car. And then I said, okay, something's got to change. Well, in that moment is when I entered into level two, which I call goal-oriented, where you, you now you move into the future. You're like, okay, I know what it is that's going to that's gonna make me happy. I just need this, 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 and this. So in level one, you're controlled by your environment completely, where it's like if things are lining up, things are going right, then you're happy. But if they're not, then you're not happy, and there's really nothing, no control you have over it. But in level two, you realize that you're controlling your environment. You're you're putting the things there. If you're if you got a crappy job, it's you it's you you know you chose that job somehow. Um, if you're a, like a successful real estate investor, it's it's because you chose it. It wasn't a silver spoon handed to you. You took on some new strategy. You built yourself up so you could understand how to create that. So I moved into level two and started to understand those things. And then I found my first mentor, which it was actually I was flipping through channels one night. And I saw this little Italian guy on TV named Dean Graziosi. And he was like, he looks me on, on the uh, TV, looks me in the eyes, <laughs> and he was like, have you ever in your adult life felt like you should be further along than you are right now? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he says, what if I could give you this one tool that could give you your freedom and your life back? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, well, give me all your money. I mean, he didn't say that. <laughs> those exact words I'm paraphrasing, but that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Um, cause it was all my money. It was more than all my money. So, <laughs> um, I borrowed money and then I, I did it. I took that step, that leap of faith. And that's where I started to build myself up because I got, uh, I learned a recipe for wealth. And so within my first, what, what is that? 18, what is the recipe? Well, that one was, it was real estate investors is what he taught me. Okay. So that was that, that specific recipe. Now there's multiple recipes for generating wealth, but that was what I used because I was thinking, um, okay, I've got to figure out, because again, remember I was saying that I wanted that I thought the goal was to make a lot of money. And so I could take my family on vacation. Nobody had to work. So I was thinking that was what's going to do it. So I was like, well, I'm, you know, I don't want to work a lot, pretty lazy guy. And I, so I've got to figure out how to make a lot of money without working very much. Well, how can I do that? Um, well, how do most people become wealthy? And 90% of all wealthy people have made their money through real estate. So logically, I was like, well, real estate must be the thing I should do. If if I'm going to even have a shot, that's my best chances. So then when Dean pops up on TV and starts telling me that, then I'm like, okay, this is it. So I, I, you know, signed up for his coaching and uh, within my first 18 months, I I made $400,000. This is starting with no money, no credit, no clue. 
Within 18 months, made $400,000. Within two years, I built a multi-million dollar real estate empire. So, like, all right, this is it. And, and so, I got I reached my goals where my family, no, we're, you know, we're all on vacation all the time. Nobody's working. We're all on vacation. I mean, at, at least once a month, we're on vacation. We're going on cruises or whatever. Um, so, like, well, I did it, right? Because I thought this was the end of the game. But it didn't solve the problems that I was looking for. It's like... It's actually the harder I tried, the the more successful I got, the more I did, the 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 worse things got in my family. Because at this point, I bought this big house, I moved my entire family into the house, and we're all you know going on vacation all the time. And I'm like, this, this is it, right? But something was happening. It was like out of my control. Because no matter how hard I try, the worst things got. And my, it, it came to the point where my mom's on hospice, given less than a month to live. The hospice nurses really just looked me right in the eyes and said, you know, you just need to prepare. Your mom's going to be dead in two weeks, so I just, you just need to prepare for that. My girlfriend at the time was, you know, she was had a massive opioid addiction. She was, like, taking, like, 20 Oxycontin a day. Uh, her boys, she had tw- uh, twin boys, teenage twin boys at the time. They were... They were on drugs, punching each other in the face, punching holes in the wall. And I'm just sitting here like, what is happening? Because I'm doing every single thing that I know how to do. Like, there's nothing more. I can, and I'm, at this point, I'm going to, because now I've got plenty of money. And I'm like, okay, well, I know what worked before. I invested in a mentor. I found a recipe for, for, uh, for wealth. So now I'm like, well, I need to find the recipes for health and for happiness. So... The, that's when I found Tony Robbins. I'm like, because he really started to show how you could start to understand your thoughts and understand why things are happening the way they are. So I went all in with like Tony Robbins and was learning everything I could possibly learn, but it was all mentor. Like anything I could find, I was just a sponge, but he was like my favorite um, mentor, I guess at that point to really help me understand what was happening inside of me and my family. But it was like, it didn't matter what I was learning. It just nothing, it, it, I, I guess it was really because I wasn't being able to implement at this, at this time. Um, so there came a point where I finally laid my head down and said, I, I failed. I'm, I'm a failure. There's like, I've given everything I have. I've done all, I'm all in and nothing's working. And I, I'm, I just, I failed. I'm a failure. And in that now, is this moment, level three? This is the moment I entered into level three. Level three. And, so, and I just want to remind you that we need to go on break in about five or six minutes. So I wanted to make sure you had enough time to get through all the levels. And I had one or two okay. more questions for you that are really important too. Go okay. for it. Okay. So I'll go through them real fast then. So enter level three. How I, how, so this was the entering of level three was when I finally said I failed. I'm a failure. And it's like this massive weight lifted off my shoulder. I'm like, what was that? And it's like, because what actually happened in that moment was everything I thought I had to be died in that moment because I couldn't be it. There was, I gave everything I had to be it and I couldn't. So it, it died. There was nothing else that could happen. And so in the moment, cause I thought I had to be these, I thought I had to be this hero in order to be worthy of love. And mm-hmm. when I couldn't be it and it died, then I'm like, well, if I'm not that, then who am I and what am I? And that's when like a Phoenix emerged from a fire. So, um, I'll just run through the rest of it. So that's level three, and it's called journey-oriented. This is when you realize there is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path, and it's just a choice. And mm-hmm. you become a master of meaning. So life inherently is, is meaningless, but it's actually beyond meaning. 
because we get to assign the meaning to the moment. And whatever meaning you assign to the moment is going to determine how you feel. It's going to determine whether you're standing in heaven or hell in that instant. Because if you say this is bad, you judge it as bad, then you can move into fear, and then suddenly you're just experiencing fear. Or you can uh, just determine that, well, this, everything, all things, you know, happen for a reason. Everything works for good, and suddenly you can step into faith, and you can step into love. So that was level three, was understanding that I'm, in, I'm the one in charge of which thoughts I follow. I don't choose which thoughts come through, but I choose which thoughts I follow. And whatever thoughts I follow are going to determine the reality that I experience. So that was an awakening for me. Now, I want to say my mom now is in better health than she's been in 20 years. She, uh, we went on a vacation like a year ago. First time in 20 years she didn't have to take a wheelchair. And how we did that was basically by what I'm talking about now is shifting our perception. And uh, so, so level four, uh, so I'll finish them off real quick. So level three was journey-oriented. Level one, you live in the past, which creates depression. Level two, you live in the future, which creates anxiety. Level three, you live in the present moment, which creates peace. Level four, now you've, you've found everything you've been looking for. You're no longer a consumer once you hit level three. You're, you're full. So what happens in level three is you start to look around. And you see all your friends and family and loved ones still trapped inside of the cage that you just escaped from. Now you realize it's a self-imposed prison and it handles on the inside. So you start unlocking cages. You're like, start letting people out of their cages, but they've got to do it. You just show them where the handle is and get them to open it. Um, so you'd think, okay, well, level four has got to be the end of the game then. Like, wow, it, you're just serving other people. But the problem with level four is you can't see the picture when you're inside of it. So level four or level five is what I call soul-oriented. So level four is value-oriented. Level five is what I call soul-oriented, where it's a complete surrender, where you no longer use your thoughts or your emotion to determine what action you could take. Even if you think it's the greatest thing in the world that you could possibly do in that moment, you don't do that. You go within and you ask from from your, your intuition, your Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. I call it God. I go with it and ask God, hey, what do you want me to do right now? And then I just take those steps. So I don't take credit for anything because I'm just a conduit. I'm just a messenger. So that's what level five is, and that's how I was given my life's purpose. That's when I was told, hey, you're here to reinvent the educational system. I'm like, how do I do that? And I was like, well, you don't do it. You just take the steps that I, I, I'm going to do it, but you just need to get out of the way and, and let me use you. So that's what's been happening ever since. Well, what is the name of your book? Because I I know your book has a lot of the information that you want to share. It's called If I Die Before I Wake. If I Die Before I Wake. You can go download it for free at findyourpurposebook.com and just put your email address in and you you can download the digital copy for free. Okay, so I want to ask at least this one question. Um, Okay. But I'll, I'll paraphrase it first by saying that the more that you seek wisdom and knowledge, the more you find out you know nothing. Would you agree with that? True, yes. Okay. And would you say that's also parallel to the more that you want to disprove there's a God, the more you find evidence there is? Yes. There's a, there's a quote, I think it was, um, uh, I forget who it is, it's the Rumi, I think. He said, I, ser- I searched for, for God and all I found was me. And I searched for me and all I found was God. Hmm. That's beautiful. Well, I want to um, invite you back when we have your Keep Smiling chapter done, because it's going to give a deeper dive in more of who you are and why Uh you are on this mission and talk a lot more about your philosophy education and your application of what you're proposing. Since we have Jeff on the line, we're going to break. I will just say that this is at least an introduction to you and uh, how you've 
made a transformation in your life and why you're committed to what you're doing. So I'm gonna, we're going to go to break. Again, this is Ken Roshan on Influencer Channel or on Voice America with Andrea Adams-Miller from the Red Carpet Connection, brought to you by Keep Smiling Movement and Big Events USA. We'll be back in a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639. 639 at Freshly.com. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Welcome back to the second episode. This is Ken Roshan on Voice America's Influencer Channel, and we just heard from Jonathan England. And these episodes are never long enough to really get to know our guests, but that's the teaser, so you follow them. And I just want to say that we have rapid fire at the end of this program, at the end of the episode, so check out Jonathan's answers to some of the rapid fire questions so you can learn more about him and also Jeff. So rapid fire is probably one of my favorite parts because we get to go deep dives into what made a difference in their life. So, Jeff, we're going to bring you on. Andrea, can you give a nice little uh, bio? And please do not give the full version because I read his book and it is too long. We will not, <laughs> we will not get him on the show. 
<laughs> yes, uh, that is uh, nine weeks of just absolute fabulous bio. So uh, Jeff Steinberg is a masterpiece in progress. Uh, yet to see him, he would look anything like anything but a masterpiece in some people's eyes. Um, he was faced, he faced life at, from the beginning with little hope, no arms and badly deformed legs. And he spent most of his early life in hospitals where he underwent orthopedic surgeries, learned to walk with a brace and was fitted with his first prosthetic arm. And at nine, he was placed into a home for the physically handicapped where he lived until he was 19. But now this masterpiece in progress, he has spent his adult life showing people that his disabilities are assets, not liabilities. And he believes a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. He's proud that God uses the least likely person to accomplish the most extraordinary things. He's a recording artist, a keynote speaker, a producer, a singer, a, a, an evangelist, a humorist, an author, a husband, a great friend, a great father, and a grandfather. Welcome to the show, uh, also referred to as the Tiny Giant, Jeff Steinberg. Thank you, Andrea, and I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and after listening to all of that, I'm wondering who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, you know, everyone on the ship loved you, and I remember the award you got, and we, we can speak about that a little later. Uh, it is amazing. I've never captured so many photos of people that want to kiss somebody, and so <laughs> you, you, you would have won that award, too, as most kissed human being on the ship. So let's uh, let's talk about the first episode for just a second. Um, I always like to give an opportunity for my second guest to respond to the first guest's commentary. So anything you want to share about uh, either meeting Jonathan England or what you learned from the first episode? Well, Jonathan's story is incredible because it's the story of of someone who who rises out of hurt, sees what's going on, and, and seizes what's going on. He finds God in the middle of, of all of this disaster. Um, you know, I've had people say to me, well, where is God in your life? Just because you are different, you know, and, and he was feeling pain and he was feeling hurt. And yet he accepted the challenge to, you know, step out of that and find out for himself that the whole time he was hurting, God was there waiting for him and helping him along the way. And he inspires me. Jonathan is incredible. I loved the segment. And uh, I uh, think that, uh, you know, I think that he's going to do great things. I agree with you. And I want to say something about God's interesting way of changing life to cause you to realize how much life is a miracle. You know, if Southwest hadn't, listen to God and cancel that flight. We don't know what would have happened on that flight, but more importantly, when Andrea said, hey, our flight was canceled and we got to go see Wishman, uh, the the uh, movie Frank Shankwitz's true story, it opened up something for Jonathan because that was not planned. It certainly wasn't planned uh-huh. necessarily to say we we're going to be at Wishman, and secondly, it wasn't planned to find out that his brother uh, had a wish, and that wish was given by Frank Shankwitz. So talk about a full circle effect. I yeah, mean, it's and, and actually... Jonathan is a perfect example of what I tell people all the time. God uses the least likely person to accomplish the most extraordinary things in a most unusual way. And, and that's what he's done in his life. Well, we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for another amazing man. And uh, Wahid Roger Salam is certainly a person that connected us, allowed this show to happen, and really created a friendship between 
the two of us as well as everyone in the, on the phone line here. But how about Roger? I mean, he really gave you an access to some amazing miracles on the ship, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I met Roger a year ago at a uh, mastermind, and he heard me share a little bit of my story, and we talked along the way, and uh, he kept coming to me and saying, I really need you to come and be on my cruise. And about a week and a half before the cruise, he called me again, and out of the you know, goodness of his heart, he made it possible for me to be on that cruise. And uh, I met so many incredible things. But Roger's message isn't about how to build a bigger business, but how to be, build a bigger person. And mm-hmm. it includes all phases of your life, the spiritual and the motivational and the inspirational and the mental and the financial and all of those things. You become a whole person. And, and, and it's, and for him, you know, he's, he's, he's the embodiment of what Mary Crowley, who founded home interiors, I guess used to say, if you give to get, you're not giving at all. You're merely trading. It is supposed to be about giving to get to give, to get to give, to get to give, and it starts with giving, and it ends with giving, and that's what that's what Roger does, and he he brings together people to do good, to give, so that they can receive a blessing, and by receiving that blessing, they can give more. And I know that you obviously have challenges in life, and it wouldn't be a surprise if um, you went on a ship that if you didn't get some support and help from people, it could be not the greatest cruise that you would have experienced. And I remember on the final day, you gave a, a very big praise to a gentleman named Richard. So I wanted to give you that opportunity on the air and let us share this with Richard later. But first of all, I want you to share who Richard is and how much you appreciate him. But secondly, who he is as a person of, of accomplishment. Would you do that for me, please? Sure. Richard Burkhart is uh, spent more than 40 years. In fact, he turned 75 the day we boarded the ship. And he wow. spent the last 40 years in entertainment management, managing such icons as the Carpenters, Chuck Mangione, Pat Boone, and, and multiple others I don't even know about. And I met Richard through Pat Boone several years ago, but we hadn't really gotten very close. And he was tasked with the job of trying to find for me someone to help me book, you know, a booking agent. Uh, Pat asked him to do that. He was part of Pat's management team. And so Richard and I kind of would talk back and forth. We'd see each other whenever I got to California. He came to the event that I was at in Los Angeles last year to hear me a little bit. And so I, my normal assistant could not go as my assistant on this cruise. And I called Richard uh, on the Wednesday that uh, Roger called me. And I said, how would you like to go on a cruise? And, uh, and uh, you know, at no charge and be my assistant. And he said, well, what does that involve? I said, well, I'm going to need help with getting a bath, taking, uh, you know, getting dressed, just basically personal care and anything else that I need, you know, suggestions professionally because of his experience as a manager. But I said, mm-hmm. mostly, you're just going to be my, my helper. And he said, I can do that. We can make <laughs> it work. 
Well, he is certainly a gentle soul. 75 years old, and he has beginnings of Parkinson's. And so it was my job to look after him when we were out on the uh, out on the islands and doing our thing to make sure, and even on the on the ship to make sure that he was you know there. But Roger made it a point to include Richard in everything that was going on, and and all of the people did. And I will always be grateful to this man who, you know, <laughs> talk about how can I serve you? Uh, mm-hmm. Richard is the quintessential definition of giving. So I asked Jonathan this question, and I'd like you to be brief because there's so many questions that I'd like to ask, and I'd like okay. to give Andre an opportunity to speak as well. So just a shout-out to one or two people that uh, just really touched your heart on the cruise and just one one thing that you you didn't know or that you learned uh, and are going to apply to life to make it better. Go for it. Well, I agree with, I agree with Jonathan, Marcello, uh, Hedford and, and Trina were probably among the most influences, uh, Kevin Orman. Um, and, and then there are people like Jay Johnson who helped, uh, fill in some of the cracks where Richard might not have been able to help me. And that sort of thing, Kevin Green, and I mean, Robert Green and, Jay Johnson, but but for me, the this giant man, actor, uh, celebrity, whatever, you know, reached out. I watched him cry with Trina when she, when we were on the island of uh, mm-hmm. Haiti, and totally. after she had spoken, and you know, just I he hugged her and just held her, and I heard him whisper in her ear, and you know, he prayed with her, and I thought this is pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. here we are on an island, and he's a celebrity, and he's reaching out to help her. And I just thought that was pretty neat. Everybody, there was such a such an attitude of caring. Um, uh, and when you hear my story, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Perfect. Okay, so that was that was a great answer. And let's let's actually go to your story again. Let's uh, do the shorter version because we're going to give a link to your book. And uh, your book is amazing, by the way. I, I love how you share your story and don't hold back and that you made it a full, full book. So you gave your heart completely. And I love when people show the photos, the proof that their life was as big as, as yours certainly is. So go ahead. Well, I was born August 18, 1951, with no arms and mangled malformed legs. Picture an Indian sitting in a powwow with his legs crisscrossed, and you'll understand what my legs look like. Um, I had three toes on one foot and five toes on the other, no toenails, and my feet were kind of built upside down, if you know what I mean. I was not expected to live. The doctors uh, told my parents, my mother, rather my father, told my father that I probably wouldn't make it. So my father made a unilateral decision that my mother was not to be told. She did not know about my disability until I was 17 months old, and she didn't see me for the first time. I was nearly two years old in a children's welfare shelter in Philadelphia. I, I finally, after when I turned eight years old, after having been in and out of Shriners Hospital and other care facilities, I got to go home for a total of nine months. It was very difficult for my mother to take care of me and three girls, and of course my father was working. So um, one day my father came and said, you're going to live with this couple. They have a daughter with uh, cerebral palsy. And I was shuffled off to a foster home where I lived for about 
six, eight, for about eight weeks, or nine months, rather, and then I was moved again. I was nine years old. It was October 31st, 1960, and my father drove me 63 miles away to the Good Shepherd Home for Kids with Disabilities and Old People. I remember watching from the window as they drove away, saying to the window, I'll be good, please don't leave me in this place. I really didn't want to stay there. And I had determined and set my jaw that I was going to do more with my life than just be one of those handicapped kids taken care of by the state. I went to public school. I graduated from high school at William Allen High School with a class of 771. I called my parents and told them that I was leaving to go to Bible college. They rushed down from Philadelphia to Allentown to talk me out of it told me that if I leave Good Shepherd, as far as they were concerned, I was on my own. Don't call them because they could not take care of me, and they would not. Uh, I left Good Shepherd, and I stepped over the threshold in just before September of 1971, or 72, and I went to... uh, Okay, so I will actually just share a couple things. So at the beautiful island of Haiti, and I should say beautiful because we were at the resort end of it, not the true, um, I guess, reality check of what Haiti's like, we were able to have orphans brought uh, to our area of the resort by uh, Jean-Pierre, and I will certainly hope to have him on a future show. And we had, I would say, about 30 or 40 orphans uh, there. And Jeff, before I uh, bring you back, I, I actually want, since I made a segue over to the Haiti experience, I want you to kind of complete the thought because I was going to just share what I experienced when people okay. spoke. And and specifically, um, you were my favorite speaker there. We had roughly, I'd say, six to ten speakers share their heart, their wisdom to the kids. But when you went up there, there was a real shift in how the kids leaned in, um, listened, and smiled and saw hope. And I just wanted to acknowledge you for that because you are the tiny giant and you shared your heart. And since the audience wasn't there to hear your message, if you could give a concise version, then just segue right back to where we we lost you for a second. But share what was so important about having that opportunity to talk to those orphans and what you actually said from your heart. I lived my life like an orphan, and I understood that, but I also understood that being different or feeling different, that that can be a positive thing if you want to make it that. You know, here's these kids, and they're looking at a guy with an artificial arm that rotates with battery, and they see a hook that opens and closes mechanically, and all of a sudden, their situation doesn't seem quite so bad, and I could make light of that with them, you know, I kind of five-year-old that wanted to know why I didn't have any hands. I told him I used to bite my fingernails, and one day I went too far. And kids (laughs) laugh at stuff like that, because they... Adults do, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they really do. And so I wanted wanted to take it and help them to understand that whatever the... uh, whatever their dream is to be, it starts with how they see themselves, you know? Um, and, And if I can, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a, you know, I'm a grandfather, and if I can do this, they can do. So that's kind of what I was, what I was uh, trying to communicate. And I, I, uh, 
I don't know that I had a whole lot of time to prepare for it at the time. I just did what I felt like, you know. Well, you you did great. Jeff, you did great. And I'll tell you, I'm getting the signal from the producer that, you know, we're kind of getting close to rapid fire. So if we could be succinct with a couple of points, I just have to make with you. And then I promise you, just like Jonathan, I can bring you back to our show because when you do the Keep Smiling chapter, we can go way deeper in your story. So even though you got cut off, it was kind of an opportunity time to share about Haiti. So um, you have this book and I want you to share one, the title, but I want you to talk about the photos that you chose because those photos – you know, give that story of the of the amazing things you've done with your life. And I think the audience needs to hear that what is possible in your life is completely determined by what you believe. So can you share that part? Sure. The book is called Masterpiece in Progress. It's published by Glove Prince Press, and it's available uh, at your bookstore, and it's also available at jeffsteinberg.net and tinygiant.com. Um it's also available in audiobook from Audible and Kindle. And uh, um, the pictures I, sh- I chose, one was uh, the very first picture that was ever taken of me when I was in the hospital. Uh, and it wanted to show what my legs looked like, what my stump looked like on the right side and everything. I mean, you know, I tell everybody it's my first centerfold. Um, <laughs> and then I had a picture of me standing with my first leg brace as a uh, nine-year-old boy, uh, pictures of me at Good Shepherd at the home for the handicapped with the superintendent years later when I was, uh, you know, beginning to get a sense of who I am and working with Good Shepherd in public relations to help them promote this institution, this home for kids with disabilities. There's a picture of me uh, singing to a little girl who, on the Easter Seal telethon, who has a disability, and uh, and then pictures of me with uh, such icons as Meadowlark Lemon and Fred Curly Neal of the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, mm-hmm. and right. then just some fun pictures of me making faces and like that. But I want. You know, I've I've stood on stages in Germany. I think there's a picture of me when I was in Germany in 1982 uh, singing for the military um, there. I wanted to showcase what, what was happening in my life, this masterpiece that I was becoming. And it's not over. It's still, you know, this journey, this masterpiece, this mastermind cruise at sea, it, for me... It's like another step step up, and and by the way, meeting you, Ken, and Andrea, I mean, it elevates me to the next level, and, it, and that's what I'm looking forward to. This is just helping you guys help other people to see what well, thank they you. can be. Well, we are going to rapid fire. We may only have time for two or three questions, and it is all determined how quick you answer. So I will start off, and the first question is going to be to Jeff, and then Jonathan, you'll answer. So Jeff, a book that you read that changed your life. The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Awesome. Jonathan? Uh, I really love A Course in Miracles. Okay. And bye? Um, I don't remember who it is. It's supposedly a channel text from Jesus. Okay, cool. And we'll put links to this, no problem. Andrea? Um, Yes, guys. Uh, Which song is the song that lifts you up the most? Jeff? Wow. Which song? In Your Image by Jeffrey Rudloff. It's a song I recorded in 1983. 
And also, All I Ever Have to Be is What You Made Me by Gary S. Chapman, um, which I recorded on the same album, but uh, Amy Grant recorded it years ago. Awesome. Jonathan? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know the name of it. It's but it's. He says a hundred billion galaxies were formed. Um, I'll look it up by the end of this. I'm gonna, I'm looking it up, and I'll tell you what it is before we get off. Cool. So the first exercise, the first day, we had a, a lovely speaker, Phil, who really t- we got an opportunity to answer questions that we normally wouldn't share in front of an audience, and it got. It was really a great exercise on getting to know the people you'd be spending a week with. So I will go to favorite movie that inspired you or changed your life. Jeff? Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Spaceballs. I love that kind of comedy. I'm moved that way. Awesome. Um, yeah. That's cool. Jonathan? Um, so the the song, I just got it. It's So Will I uh, by Cross Worship featuring Osby Berry. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, one of my, my favorite movies is probably Peaceful Warrior. Cool. And Andrea? Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up, Jeff? Bigger. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. Can we I say, told, can we say you up bigger? I told that? that to my mother when she asked me last week. <laughs> I, I've always been a bit of a clown. And I've always, my father told me when I was four years old, when we were coming back from a bar mitzvah, weekend that we were singing in the car and he, he said, Jeffrey, if you ever sing, if you ever do anything for a living, don't sing. So I became a singer. <laughs> Jonathan? Uh, astronaut. I really just like flying. Mm-hmm. Cool. All I right. wanted to be uh, Superman. Well, we certainly met I'm Superman on the ship. Paul, I mean, who, who tattoos Superman on their chest unless they're really committed to being Superman, right? all right um my go-to question jeff a quote that you live by what's that a quote that you live by can you hear me okay a quote that you live by yeah uh go to jonathan let me think about that for a second okay jonathan so mine's a, a series of three of them that all like two of them go together and then the third one like just really put the power to it so it's Everything happens for a reason, and all things work for good, so those two together. But then the last one is every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. So Amen. when it looks bad, the worse it looks, the better it is. And that is that has saved my life, Those putting those together. Great. And, and Jeff, going. real quickly, we're wrapping okay. up. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. My quote comes from the movie The Shack. Uh, yes. And I'm not, I don't know that I'll get it all correct, but... Bad things happen to good people. God doesn't cause the bad things, but he can take those bad things and he can work with it to make good things come out of it. Um, another quote that I have shared with people comes from a quote from Scripture in the uh, modern English that says, quit focusing on the handicaps and start ap- appreciating the gift. And each well, of us thank has you a both. gift and a talent. I agree. So thank you, Jeff and Jonathan, for 
being part of our show and sharing your heart. And we unfortunately are out of time. I want to thank Andrea for putting this show together as always and attracting two beautiful leaders. And you guys have been amplified. I can't wait to bring you back after you do your Keep Smiling chapter so we can take a deeper dive in your journey, your wisdom, and what you're up to so we can support you even more. This show has been brought to you by the Big Events USA, the Keep Smiling Movement, and the Red Carpet Connection. And I'm Ken Roshan on Voice America. Thank you very much. We'll talk again next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Roshan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. Oh, <laughs>